One of the consequences of the Giants handing out so many short-term deals is that they basically have a lot of work to do every offseason. So what is the Giants roster looking like next offseason going into the 2024 season? We'll take a thorough look next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspick, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, I just want I was just thinking about, you know, there's so much to say about this. The fact that the Giants hand out the shorter term deals and the opt-outs and all that, and there's a lot of complaints about that, and I understand why. But at the same time, there are benefits to it and the kind of flexibility. I know it's like a hot word, and sometimes I think people kind of read it the wrong way. What it means to be flexible is simply that, like, you know, a lot of times in baseball, you'll hand out a big contract and the player underperforms. And if you're, you know, five, six year deal or whatever, you're it's guaranteed money and it's inflexible, right? You can't move on from it. But, you know, there are downsides to the short term deals that the Giants have handed out in recent years. But there are also upsides as well in that uh, you're able to pivot if it doesn't go well. And if it does go well, it means you got a good year of performance out of the player. And so, there's a lot of talk that these are kind of lose-lose scenarios. I'm talking about like, I mean, let's just look at last year, Carlos Rodon, for example. Uh, it's a It was a two-year, $44 million deal with an opt-out after the first year. And I think like this, going into this year, looking at a guy, at a guy like Michael Conforto, who gets a two-year, $36 million deal with an opt-out after the first year, it's a very similar structure, including the fact that he can't opt-out unless he reaches a plate appearance threshold. Rodon had the same thing. He couldn't opt-out unless he surpassed 110 innings. And people call these like lose-lose, but I just it's just kind of not correct, in my opinion, because uh, the win, if they opt out, it means they had a good enough season to opt out. And so you got a good season of a player without having to take on the risk of the long-term commitment that is guaranteed. Now, some will say it's a worthwhile risk to take. I think for certain players, that's correct. And that's why they were willing to give 13 years, $350 million to Carlos Correa. They were willing to, at first until they found out about the ankle. And they were willing to give nine years and... 40 million a year to Aaron Judd. They were willing to give 12 years, $315 million to Bryce Harper. And so for superstar talent, they're willing to make that huge commitment. But for, you know, a guy like Rodon, that was the only way you were getting him last year. And so was it better? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say instead of doing that, you could have just signed a Kevin Gosman to five years. But what they, in, they got even better production in 2022 without the long-term risk that comes along with the five-year deal for the pitcher. And so, yeah, anyway, it's just not a lose-lose in my opinion. And I've made this case before as well. 
you say the downside is if they have a bad year, if they get hurt or whatever, then it's a lose because then they're going to opt in. Except I would disagree with that point as well because they like the player enough that they would want them back for one year. And again, it would be a one-year kind of prove-it deal. And so I think they like when players have that motivation to have a big season so that they can hit the market on a high note. And so on these two-year deals with the opt-out, you're getting that motivation in year one. And if it doesn't go well and they have an injury or poor performance or whatever, they opt in and they have that same motivation in year two because it's, again, a contract year. So anyway, looking ahead, that's kind of my take on that. And the Giants have given out a lot of these and people do complain about them. And I understand it from like a growing attached to the player's perspective, but I've made the case before and I'm going to make it again. The players who you're really going to grow attached to, like they're going to continue to pursue those superstar players, I think, like they did with Correa and Judge and Harper. Uh, Even when they were bad, they were pursuing Harper uh, because he was such an elite talent and 26 years old. And then the homegrown players, those guys come with six years of team control. So like Logan Webb, he's been here a while and he's still got three more years of team control. Camilo Duvall has been here a couple years. He still has five more years of team control. And so, you know, and Kyle Harrison, when he shows up, six years of service. And so if he shows up in like May of this year uh, or June or something, he'll have all of 2023 plus six additional years of team control. And so these, that's why homegrown players, if you're not, if your big commitments are only going to be to superstars in free agency who are, you're not guaranteed to get and, you know, homegrown players, because it's year to year with these homegrown guys, because they're not on guaranteed contracts they become, you know, arbitration eligible and you can non-tender them if their performance falls off. And so that's kind of the plan. And that's why the farm system is really important for the future of the Giants. But just looking ahead to kind of, okay, the 2023 season is over. Hopefully it was a good one for the Giants. But let's just imagine what does it look like? Who are the slam dunk free agents? Well, there's Jock Peterson, who currently is back this year on the one-year qualifying offer. And so this is another example of they get a player they like on two consecutive one-year deals. And I think that they like that. They like the flexibility that it provides. And it's similar to the homegrown players. You you have all that team control, but it's year to year without the guaranteed commitments that you're taking on a, on a lot of risk. And I look back at the 20, uh, you know, when Farhan Zaidi took over, there were all these commitments like to Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja and the veterans who were showing serious signs of decline like Posey, Belt, and Crawford, and Longoria. It was just all these multiple-year commitments at high prices relative to what their production was. And that's why the Giants were bad in 2017 and 2018, because they had this bloated payroll. They were paying a bunch of guys who were underperforming those contracts. And so because the team had a budget uh, and they were already spending a lot relative to what was kind of average in the league, they were top spenders and yet bad. And so that's kind of the scenario that teams really try to avoid. And so while there are downsides to what the Giants do now, they're in a flexible position each and every offseason right now where they're able to pivot to other guys if certain players don't work out. And so anyway... That's the case, you know, Peterson entering another walk year. And then the other pure free agents, Brandon Crawford entering the last year of his deal, Alex Wood entering the last year of his deal, and then Jacob Junis, John Brebbia, 
and Scott Alexander. Those are your pure free agents. So coming up in just a minute, we're going to look at the rest of the state of the roster following up on the 2023 season, what things look like, what the Giants will have to do in the offseason next year. So we'll get into it in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by... FanDuel, the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, and super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm currently looking. They've got so many amazing... Uh, basketball odds. The Warriors not having their best season at plus 1,700 to win the NBA Finals. Those are implied odds of around 5% last time I looked. And I'm just comparing that, looking at like 538.com. What do they say are the Warriors championship odds? Latest I checked, they're kind of aligned, but if there's a difference there, then something like that is a fun opportunity uh, to maybe put a little money down and, and have an opportunity at a big payout. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official and official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, here we go. We are going to look a little bit closer at what is the Giants roster going to look like after the 2023 season. I think I've made my point. I just think there's there's certainly downsides to every approach, really. Like if you're just a team like that is just throwing around huge contracts. The thing is, if you if you have no budgetary restrictions, which is just no team operates that way outside of uh, apparently the Mets now. But every team, you know, there's some number they're not willing to go past when it comes to spending on the roster. And so when you have a limit on your spending, you've got to be smart about how you get there. And so when you, you know, I think of the Phillies and, for example, Nick Castellanos last year got a five-year, $100 million contract. And immediately he just turned in a really poor season last year. He is a guy who historically has been a bad defender. So he continued to be a bad defender and he just didn't hit. And now you're on the on the hook for four years, 80 million more. And it already looks like something they wish they didn't have. And it didn't stop them from going out and getting Trey Turner. I'm not saying the Giants, you know, they should go out and get these superstar players. And they tried. Uh, I mean, I wish they could have a do-over because if you knew that Correa's ankle was going to fall apart in the physical, they probably would have pursued somebody else, whether it was Trey Turner or even a Dansby Swanson type. But that's neither here nor there. It, it kind of was a disaster in that regard, but they did a, as good of a job as they could adding talent without getting superstar talent. They did get like seven solid players and projections have them competing for a playoff spot. And so we'll see how it goes. Obviously, a lot of pressure on winning, but... What does that look like? So like I said, Peterson, Crawford, Wood, and Junis, Brebia, and Alexander. So it's not the hugest kind of list of major uh, guaranteed free agents. But then when we start to look at the opt-outs, you've got uh, Michael Conforto, like I mentioned, who can opt out of one year $18 million, assuming uh, he must reach 350 plate appearances in order to have the right to opt out. And then... Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling each will have the ability to opt out 
after the 2023 season. And then beyond that, there's just uh, a $10 million club option for Alex Cobb that comes with just a $2 million buyout. So when we start to look at the numbers behind all of this, if like, so the way we'll talk about it is guaranteed money. And so this guaranteed money means, you know, all these player options slash opt outs are guaranteed because if something goes wrong that we consider player options guarantees because they can choose to, to opt in and therefore you'd be on the hook for it. And so if all of them opt in for 2023 and because the Giants have a club option on Alex Cobb, the only guarantee on that club option is the $2 million buyout, not the whole thing. So if Cobb has a bad season, uh, the Giants can you know, move on and only have to pay $2 million. But if everybody opts in and they buy out Cobb, it's $99 million committed, which is pretty low. I mean, the Giants' current uh, projected payroll for 2023 is $192 million. So you know, it'd be about... And look, a lot of these guys are arbitration eligible, but those are not guarantees, as I mentioned earlier. But it would be $99 million committed, plus then add in all your arbitration eligible players who are not guaranteed, but you would want a lot of them back, like Logan Webb and Doval, for example, Tyro Estrada. Uh, and then, so I mentioned all the different opt-out, opt-outs, but if, so let's just imagine everybody opts out, Conforto, Manaya, and Stripling, that's $43 million. And so if everybody opts out, that guaranteed number moves down to just $56 million. And so this is what I'm talking about when I say flexibility, quote unquote, worst case scenario, or at least I don't like to say it that way, but highest case scenario in terms of commitments is $99 million, and lowest case scenario is just $56 million, which means, you know, basically 100 plus million dollars in 2024 spending to get back to where they were in 2023. And of course, I think, you know, Cobb, if he has the type of season he's capable of, they'll pick that up. So if everybody opts out and they pick up Alex Cobb's club option, that would be just $64 million committed. And that would allow them to kind of remake their roster however they see fit. The problem is next year's free agent class isn't so great. And specifically, like the position that stands out to me the most is the shortstop position. And that's probably why they went out and tried to sign Carlos Correa for 13 years, because Brandon Crawford is entering the last year of his deal. And he, you know, is getting up there in age. He is, I think he's 37 this year. He is going to turn 37 in January of next year. So anyway, he's 36 all of this year, but going into 2024, he's going to be an age 37 player. And so this year is pretty big for him just in terms of, you know, if he has another down year like he had in 2022, he might have a hard time finding a job. But if he has any, if he kind of lands somewhere between 2021 and 2022, then he could be a guy who could even get a multi-year deal at starting at age 37. And it might be with the Giants. I don't I I should kind of walk that back. I don't think a multi-year deal is likely, but he's the guy he's a guy who they they I would kind of put money if I had to now on him being back for at least one more year in 2024 because who do they have after Brandon Crawford? You look at kind of their who do they have in the minors right now? And at the shortstop position, there's Will Wilson, who hasn't performed at the AAA level. There's Donovan Walton, who hasn't performed at the major league level. Marco Luciano is obviously in the system and 
uh, figures to start the year in double A, but is he going to be ready to just take over the shortstop position starting in 2024? I don't think that's likely. Could he debut in 2024 and kind of establish himself and then look like that guy for 2025? Maybe, but there's a lot of people who don't view him even as a shortstop. And so this shortstop position is unsettled. And so Brandon Crawford reaching free agency and not having landed Correa is kind of a problem. And you look at the who is a free agent at the shortstop position, it's a whole lot of nothing, really. I mean, there's, I mean, Ahmed Rosario, but he hasn't done well defensively. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Alberto Mondesi, and Brandon Crawford, and Elvis Andrews, who just barely was able to get a contract for this season. Nick Ahmed, who's going to be 34. So it's just not a great shortstop class coming off two consecutive years when there were great shortstop classes in free agency. And so, you know, I want to say the Giants really should have done what they could to get one, and they did, but then it just a nightmare scenario unfolded after that. So, Beyond that, I mean, the starting pitching, they have a lot of guys who can opt out, but also you've got Webb, who going into 2024 will have two more years of team control. This is why we start talking about an extension for Webb, because he's getting closer to free agency, but still three years away. Alex Cobb, like I said, they can bring back on a one-year deal if they want to going into 2024. And then uh, beyond that, Anthony DiScofani still has one year. And by the way, reports on DiScofani are that his ankle is doing much better. He had an operation and, you know, he didn't have a groove for his tendon. And so they like created a groove for the tendon to stabilize it. And apparently it was successful and he's a full go. And I just keep reminding people, he was such a good pitcher for them in 2021. And they're paying him like a back end pitcher. Not, he's not being paid to be an ace. And so, You know, the season he had in 2021, if we're just ignoring that and focusing on his five games in 2022 when he was so hurt that he needed major ankle surgery, then I think we're looking in, we're kind of, it's recency bias. And so hopefully like Kyle Harrison breaks through this year and looks like, you know, going into 2024, a clear member of that rotation. So then you would have Harrison with all his club control, you would have Webb and you would have Cobb. And you also already have DiSclefani under contract. And then, you know, Manaya and Stripling each have the opt-out. So I wouldn't think it would be too crazy to think one of them doesn't opt-out. Like if one of them doesn't have a great year, then one of them could be back. And then you're already basically looking at a full rotation. And so the Giants wouldn't have that much work to do on the starting rotation. And so once again, kind of like this offseason, they could focus their efforts on position players. And the real prizes of the position player mix are Shohei Otani who's also a pitcher and I guess you know if you already got five starters maybe Shohei Otani is your sixth and also he's obviously a true impact bat and then there's also Manny Machado so coming up in just a minute we're going to kind of scour the free agent class where do the Giants need to pick up some players next offseason and who's out there at those various positions so we'll get into it in just a minute but before we do All right, as promised, we are going to look at who are the free agents at these positions where the Giants are going to have openings. I mean, Jock Peterson is going to be, you know, a pure free agent. And so here's the thing, too, is that I think there's a lot of assumptions that are made that the Giants with these players, with the opt-outs, that they're just not going to bring them back. But I don't necessarily think that's true. I think it might be true when it comes to pitchers because we have, we now have two pretty clear examples of 
you know, the Giants getting ace caliber production out of Kevin Gosman and Carlos Rodon. And in neither case, even though, I mean, especially with Gosman, who was like vocal about wanting to come back, and he said they never made him an offer. And so it's pretty darn clear. They're just not interested in giving out uh, deals longer than three years, it seems, for a starting pitcher. And so this is where I, again, will circle back and say homegrown pitchers are likely, I, I think they have a sweet spot with this like Ross Stripling, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, where you're kind of like $20, $30 million over two, three years. They're fine with that. And then with like the Carlos Rodon upside play, I mean, Kevin Gosman, when he first came to the Giants, it was a one-year, what was it, $9 million deal. And then they offered him the qualifying offer and he came back on that. So it was like two one-year deals. But again, Logan Webb, is going to end up being here for over six seasons. Kyle Harrison, assuming and hoping he can establish himself to be, you know, similar in value to Webb or even better, would be here for at least six seasons, probably more because it's service time, not years. And so when you're, yeah, so those are the guys to grow attached to on the pitching side. But we're looking at, you know, a Michael Conforto. I just don't, assume at all that they wouldn't want to bring back a guy who potentially wants to be here. He said that he watched a ton of Giants when he went to college at what was it, Oregon State, grew up, you know, in the Seattle area. So West Coast guy, close to home-ish here in San Francisco. And, you know, watched a lot of the Giants when they were at their best. And I just don't think the team is all that hesitant to give out a significant contract to a position player when they like the player and the player wants to be here. Like from what we understand, they offered Brandon Nimmo a competitive offer this off season. He ended up going back to the Mets on a pretty hefty deal. And it was, you know, returning to the team he was coming from. And so that you're, you're often going to lose out when the player has experience at the team and, and likes playing for that team. So I don't know. I just wouldn't rule out Conforto opting out, but the Giants then re-signing him. And Peterson, kind of same deal. I wouldn't rule out the Giants bringing him back, even if he reaches free agency. And Crawford. I mean, I think position players might get that treatment. So when we look at the outfield next year, Hanniger, it was a two-year deal with then an opt-out. So we don't have to worry about the opt-out until after 2024. But so Hanniger will be back in the outfield in 2024. And Yastrzemski still has, uh, going into 2024, he'll still have two more years of team control. Speaking of, you know, players who kind of come, he didn't come up through their system, but when he made his major league debut, it was with the Giants. And that's why Yaz has been here for a long time and he'll continue to be here for a couple more years after 2023. And so Yaz comes back. Austin Slater has another year of team control and Mitch Hanniger comes back. And so they've got a lot of outfielders there. So Conforto, I, I think there's like kind of going to be a Conforto-sized hole in the outfield going into next year if he opts out. And looking at, you know, the list of free agent outfielders, there's Ian Happ, who is intriguing and pretty young switch hitter. I like him. And Harrison Bader, Cody Bellinger again. And I think the Giants tried to sign him this offseason. And Michael Conforto, if he opts out. Teoscar Hernandez. That's kind of it in the outfield. So there are some guys out there and I would expect the Giants to be in play for at least one outfielder next offseason. Shortstop is that position. I just, third base, 
you know, they don't they don't have a clear third baseman. David Biar is going to get that opportunity. But Manny Machado is kind of lurking as the top like pure position player next offseason. There's Shohei Otani, but he's a unicorn in that he's a DH and a pitcher. Uh, but Machado is like a position player, but he's not young anymore. I mean, he's 30. He's going to be 31. And, you know, the contract they offered to Correa, he was entering what his age 28 season, the contract they offered to Harper, he was entering his age 26 season. Judge was entering age 31, but he's had that he had that connection to the Giants, like grew up a Giants fan and all that. And so for Machado, I just don't know how likely that is. And for Otani, I keep saying this. It's a it's a pitcher. And they're not willing to give Gosman or Rodon a four or a five or six year deal. Why are they going to give Shohei Otani 12 years when he's half a pitcher? I don't know. And, and I mean, I really struggle with this. Like, I don't, I don't know because he's such a star and such a, uh, he would bring so much attention to the Giants. And obviously he's so talented right now, but do you worry about the arm 13 years from now or even five years from now? So I look to Machado as a, good fallback option but after those two guys it's kind of a free agent class that's devoid of star talent but those guys are stars but it's just like will they actually get one of them i don't know and so that's why kind of homegrown talent is going to be also really really important because if you don't come away with either of those guys where are the stars coming from and it's got to come from within so anyway that's kind of my preliminary look at where the giants are in 2024 uh, going into next offseason, I think that they're just like they've been the last few years in a flexible financial position where they can pursue basically anybody they want to. And they also can move on from players who underperform because they don't have they don't have like basically any long term guaranteed commitments. And just keep in mind the homegrown players, they have a long the players are committed to coming back, but the team gets to decide if they want to do that. And also just lastly, Casey Schmidt could be the answer at shortstop potentially. They're going to put him there uh, in spring training. He played some there in the minor leagues last year. I don't think like the answer, but he could become an option. And also perhaps Tyro Estrada is capable of sliding over. And then you're looking at a second baseman. You know, I'm talking about when Brandon Crawford, when, when he has his contract end up. Uh, end. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Lockdown MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like the show, please hit that subscribe button if you're on YouTube or like, comment, uh, share whatever you can do. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. I think we're going to put out a mailbag prompt. So look out on Twitter for that. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.